This is Dafei and Masechet Megillah. We are at the top of Dafei Amud Aleph, at the very end of the first line of the Amud, where it says, Amarav. Amarav, Rav said, Megillah bizmana korin otafilu biyachid, shelo bizmana baasara. When the Megillah is read at its proper time, meaning on the 14th of Adar for the unwalled cities, and on the 15th for the walled cities, it can be read afilu biyachid even without a minyan. But shelo bizmana, when it's read not at its proper time, which according to Rashi refers to a case in which it is read uh, by the villagers, on the Monday or Thursday preceding Purim, because as we've learned, on the, whenever Purim falls out on a day other than Monday or Thursday, the villagers would preempt and they would read Megillah on the Monday or Thursday immediately prior. And that was considered Shalob not at the proper time. And therefore you required a, required a minyan in order to produce Pirsumanes, to produce a publicizing of the miracle, since it wasn't actually the holiday that day. Ravasi says that whether it is uh, with a, with, on the proper day of the 14th or 15th of Adar, or it is on the Yom HaKnisa, on the Monday or Thursday prior, you still, you need a minyan in both cases. A minyan is always required for the reading of the Megillah. Now, the way that Rashi interprets this machloket is a little bit different than it might seem at first. It might seem at first that Rav Asi is saying that you can never read the Megillah without a minyan, and that even Rav is agreeing that when the villagers read, they must have a minyan. But the way that Rashi interprets it is that it's preferable. One is, uh, ideally should have a minyan when reading on Purim day, according to Ravasi, not that it is me'akev, not that one could not fulfill the mitzvah without a minyan. Rashi says there's no problem, obviously with reading the Megillah biyachid, just that you're missing out on the ideal mitzvah, according to Ravasi. So then the machloket, according to Rashi, is on the day of Purim, is it ideal to have a minyan for Kriyata Megillah? Or do we say it doesn't matter? According to Rav, it doesn't matter either way when it's being read on Purim itself. In one time it happened, uh, there was a situation in Rav actually was careful to fulfill the words of Rav Asi, meaning he went and he gathered a minyan even though it was on the day of Purim. He went and gathered a minyan in order to read the Megillah. So he, was, he wanted to fulfill the concept of Rav Asi, even though the poskim all say, the rabbis all say, um, and the halachic decisors all say the halacha doesn't actually follow Rav Hasi, follows Rav, that you don't have to have a minyan, but even Rav held that it was preferable. Uh, he tried to fulfill the opinion of Rav, of Rav Hasi that it was preferable to have a minyan. Did Rav really say this? That on the day, when it's in a situation where uh, we're reading the Megillah prior to the 14th or 15th of Adar, that we, that we actually need a minyan. Did he say that? The son of Rav Shmuel Bar Shelat say in the name of Rav, Purim when Purim falls on Shabbat, the 14th of Adar falls on Shabbat, the time for reading is Erev Shabbat. Okay, so what is that? That's where you're reading it. Actually, it's technically the 13th of Adar in that case, but you're reading on 13th of Adar. Now, according to Rav, anytime you're not reading on the 14th or 15th of Adar, it's considered to be uh, not bismano, not at the proper time, and therefore you should require a minyan. So the Gemara says, but it says here that Erev Shabbat Zmanam, Shabbat Zmanam, how could you say? Erev Shabbat Zimanam, how can you say that Friday is really the time? Shabbat Zimanamu. We know that the time is really Shabbat. In other words, since the 14th of Adar fell out on Shabbat, that's really the time you should be reading the Megillah. And we're preempting it and reading it on Friday. Right? So how could you say that? that you, it doesn't mean to say that 
Shabbat is not really the day of Purim and that Friday is really the day of Purim. It's just saying that Friday is the day you read the Megillah. What it means is that when you don't read it in its proper time, it's just like reading it in its proper time. That Just like Zmanam, when you're reading it the proper time, you don't need a Minyan, even an individual can do it. So do when it's not in its proper time, even Biyachid. In other words, what the what Rav was trying to be Mechadesh, what Rav was trying to say was that even though when, when Purim falls on Shabbat, we read it the day before, we read it on Friday, there's no difference between the reading on Friday, which is technically not on the day of Purim, and the reading that would be on the day of Purim. They're the same, and you can do them biachid according to that. You can do them without a minyan. So why did Rav before say that you need a minyan when you're reading Shiloh Bizmanah? When you're reading at the Megillah, not at its proper time, it's not true, because you see here that he says that if you move from Shabbat, you move it back to Friday, that it is considered this, it's no different than reading it in its proper time. Rather, it's not, so at first, uh, the Gemara assumed that it was trying to make this equation regarding whether you needed a minyan or not. But it's saying, no, it's not regarding that issue. Why does it say Erev Shabbat is the time? To exclude what Rabbi said, It's a totally different issue. The reason why Rab used such a strong language and said, that when the, when the day of Purim falls on the 14th, Erev Shabbat Zmanam, he wasn't saying that to mean that therefore, since Erev Shabbat Zmanam, you don't need a minyan on that day. You would need a minyan since it's not being read at its proper time. He would agree that you need a minyan. Why did he say Erev Shabbat Zmanam? Because he's trying to tell you that Thursday is not the time. Since Rabbi, Rabbi Udanasi had the opinion that once you move, the date of Purim, once Purim has fallen on Shabbat, then you have to move the Megillah back anyway. Don't move it to Friday, move it to Thursday. Rav is saying, no, we only move it back to Friday. But it's still not the Zman, it's not really the time of Purim, and therefore you would need a Minyan. Now the Mishnah says, Israel, what's considered a large city? If you have 10 Batlanin, and as we saw earlier in the Gemara, the Batlanim are basically people who are available for community needs, Minyanim, etc., all the time. If it has less than 10 people, it's a village. And you could think of it as saying, basically, it has an infrastructure. It has some kind of an infrastructure, the, the community. With, regarding Purim, we bring the date early. We don't make it later. We always bring Megillah reading earlier. But there are certain other mitzvot that if their day falls on a Shabbat, for example, we make it later, not earlier. For instance, the days that certain families, we learned in the end of Masechetani, certain families um, had a uh, custom, a family custom tradition to bring wood as an offering to the Beit HaMikdash every year because they had originally done that in the beginning of the era of the second Beit HaMikdash so they were given the Zechut to do it every year. If their day falls on Shabbat, they push it to a different day. Tisha B'Av it falls out on Shabbat. We push it to Sunday, not Friday. Chagiga, when you, a, a korban Chagiga that has to be brought on a Yom Tov. If the Yom Tov falls out on Shabbat, so then you're not allowed to bring it on Yom Tov. We'll see more about this in the Gibran. Therefore, it gets pushed to the next day. The Hakel. Hakel is something that was done the year after Shemitah. On the Sukkot following the year of Shemitah, they had Hakel where the entire Jewish people came together and the Melech, the king, would read from the Sefer Torah in the Beit HaMikdash. He would not do that if it fell on Shabbat because they had to construct a platform. They would put together a platform for him to stand on so they wouldn't do it on Shabbat. They would do it during Cholam Oed Sukkot but not if it fell on Shabbat a day after that. They make it later. Machrin v'lo makdimin. Avot v'isham v'lo makdimin. It doesn't need to say the word machrin v'lo makrin here. Even though they said make it earlier, mutarin be'esped u'v'ta'anit u'matanot levyonim. When you read the Megillah on the earlier day, 
that day you're allowed to have hespedim. If somebody, God forbid, dies on the, the day of the reading of the Megillah, meaning in a situation where we move the Megillah earlier, let's say the villagers, they read the Megillah the Thursday before Purim or the Monday before Purim, they're allowed to have hespedim. They're allowed to have funerals on that day and have eulogies. They're even allowed to fast on that day, even though they're reading the Megillah. And they give out matanot levyonim. They also can give gifts to the poor. Even though with respect to the day of Purim itself, um, you wouldn't be able to do any of those things. But since you're moving it up, to a different day of reading, that day of reading doesn't have all of the uh, requirements of Purim. When do we say this whole thing about moving the day of the reading back for the villagers? Only in a place where on, when, on Monday and Thursday they actually gather together and so therefore it's an advantage to the villagers. But if the villagers anyway don't gather together for minyan or in the cities or for judgment or whatever the reason was that they were gathering on Monday and Thursday, depending on which interpretation you take, if there's no advantage to them Monday, Thursday, Wednesday, Tuesday, that doesn't make a difference, then they don't have to move the, the reading back. They're not obligated. It's only something done in a situation where it benefits the villagers. Okay, now the Gemara says, Tana Asrabat When we say Asrabat Lanin, the ten people who are Batlanim who don't do anything, it means in the Bet Knesset, meaning there are ten members of the community who are designated for Minyanim or whatever is necessary all day long. And as I mentioned, it's kind of like saying there needs to be a kind of infrastructure to differentiate a village. A village is a loosely associated group of people. A city has an organization, has a structure, and an infrastructure includes ten Batlanim. Now, Ba'elu Mamumakdim Lamachrin. Regarding Purim, we make it earlier, not later, but regarding other things, we make it later. What's the reason? Why don't we ever make Purim later than what is written? Why don't we say, well, since it fell on Shabbat, we'll read it on Sunday? Because it says, Because it says, the day should never pass, meaning you can never go past them and then observe them. And um, moreover, Abba Shmuel, Rabbi Abba said also in the name of Shmuel, How do you know that we don't determine the year by the number of days? Like in the case of a, a solar year, it's 365 days. In the case of a lunar year, it's 354. Because we always say for the months of the year, We count months to create years. 12 months create a year, sometimes 13 but never by the days. The rabbis of Caesarea said in the name of Rabbi Abba, how do you know that we don't use hours to calculate months? Because it describes a month and it says, until a month of days. You use days to determine a month, you use months to determine a year. You don't use year, you don't use hours to determine a month, and you don't use days to determine a year. This is a list of things that we make, we delay them rather than moving them earlier. The reason why we make Tisha B'Av on a Sunday if it falls on Shabbat instead of Friday is because we don't want to bring Puranut, we don't want to bring sadness and tragedy closer. We want to make it later. What about the Chagiga Vakel? What about the, uh, the festive offering when a person appears, he goes up for, uh, to Bet HaMikdash on the Chagim, he's supposed to bring two korbanot. One's called Olat Riyah, a burnt offering, and Chagiga, which is the celebratory offering. And also Hakel, these are both pushed, these are pushed later, not earlier. The reason why is because if you try to bring the korban before the holiday, the mitzvah didn't start yet. If you try to do the Hakel before the holiday, the mitzvah didn't start yet. So that's why it has to be later and not earlier, because earlier would make you um, too early before the mitzvah even started. Now the Gemara says, wait, um, uh, that Tana, it says, Nabaita, Chagiga, Bechosman Chagiga, Machrin. 
the Chagiga and all the time of the Chagiga. Again, the Chagiga is the offering that is a Shlamim that is offered and eaten by the participants. It's part of the celebration of the holiday that's brought when a person appears in the Bet HaMikdash on the Yamim Tovim. So it says the, the Chagiga and the time of the Chagiga is made later and not earlier. What does that mean? We understand what it means Chagiga because if the first day of the Yom Tov falls on Shabbat and therefore you can't bring a Korban Chagiga because it's a Korban that you eat, you eat the meat of so you're not allowed to bring it on Shabbat so you wait till Sunday the next day the second day of the holiday right? we understand that but what does it mean the time of Chagiga is pushed off what do you mean the time what it means is that if the Chagiga if the Yom Tov falls out on Shabbat Right? So then you have to push it off. And what is Zman Chagiga? It's referring to another Korban that's brought usually together with the Chagiga, which is the Olat the burnt offering of appearance that a person brings. Even on Yom Tov, which is the time when the Chagiga could be brought, we still delay it. In other words, what it means is like this. If Yom Tov falls out on Shabbat, so you can't bring your personal Korban on Shabbat. But what happens if Yom Tov is a regular Yom Tov? So the Chagiga, which is eaten by the participants and only part of it goes on the Mizbech, for sure they can bring it and they can eat it. But the Ola, which is only a burnt offering, is a Machloket. Even though it usually comes at the same time, even though it's Man Chagiga, you have to push it off. Mani Beit Shamayi. Because according to Beit Shammai, you can bring Shlamim, because you eat from the Korban. You can bring it on Yom Tov, but you don't lean on them like you normally lean on Korban. But you can't bring burnt offerings, because nothing goes to you. According to Beit Shammai, you can bring burnt offerings and peace offerings, meaning the ones that you don't benefit from and the ones that you do, and you can even lean on them. And the chidush is that even though an ol, normally you'd say, well, the, the Yom Tov is only bent, the rules are only bent and, and broken for ochel nefesh, for my personal benefit. If I'm just giving a korban to God, then I am not getting any personal benefit. That's the machloket between Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai. Beit Shammai says, since you're not getting any personal benefit, you cannot do this korban. According to Beit Hillel, you're doing it the Shem Shamayim. That's also acceptable on the Yom Tov. So according to Beit Shammai then, this bright that would go according to Beit Shammai saying that you delay Kolzman Chagiga, the timing of the Chagiga, meaning you delay the Chagiga if the first day of Yom Tov falls out on Shabbat. And if the first, even if the first day of Yom Tov falls out on a regular weekday, you still don't bring the Olan that day. You delay it till afterwards. Okay, because we're holding like Beit Shammai. Now Rav Amar, no, you don't have to say that, that we're following Beit Shammai. Chagiga, Kolzman Chagiga, Machrin, Tefeilo. What it means is that we, the Chagiga, when it has to be delayed, can only be delayed the time of the Chagiga, but not later. Ditnan, as it says in the Mishnah. If a person did not have the opportunity to bring their Korban Chagiga appearing in the Beit HaMikdash on the first day of the holiday, maybe it was too crowded, maybe he couldn't make it, he has the entire holiday, all of the Cholamo'ed days, to do it as well. And even Shemini Yatzeret, which is not technically part of Sukkot, he could even bring his Chagiga on that day. If he passed the entire holiday and never brought his Korban, he doesn't have to make it up. There is no way to make it up. He missed the opportunity. Okay, so that means that Chagiga... And kolzman chagiga, meaning you can delay the chagiga as long as it is man chagiga, as long as you're within the amount of time that you're allowed to keep bringing the chagiga. So even though it fell out on Shabbat or whatever, or you were delayed, you only have up to a certain time, up to the end of the holiday, to be able to bring it. What does it mean a chagiga and the whole time of the chagiga you delay? That even Shavuot, which is only one day in Eretz Israel, you still delay. Right? Everybody agrees. If, if Shavuot falls on Shabbat, that the day that you bring the Korbanot is after Shabbat. Because you can't bring the personal Korbanot on, uh, on, on, the, uh, on Shabbat. So 
even though in, on a regular Yom Tov when it's not Shabbat, uh, Beit Shammai would say you still have to wait till the next day and Beit Hillel would say no you can offer the Korbanot on the day itself and Beit Shammai would say no only the Chagigah but not the Olat you have to wait till the next day when Yom Tov falls out on Shabbat everybody agrees you can't bring the personal Korbanot and even though you're going to end up bringing the Korbanot on a day which is not Yom Tov because Shavuot is only one day and the next day you're going to have to wait for the Yom Tovach the day of the uh, the, the day of the sacrifice of, uh, of all the Korbanot you're going to have to wait till the next day um uh, that uh, you still delay it. Everybody agrees that you delay past that first day, even though it's no longer Yom Tov, and you actually have seven days to uh, to complete the uh, the korban. In that, and we learn we learn uh, elsewhere in the Gemara that just like Sukkot has a seven day period and Pesach has a seven day period uh, for bringing the korban, not actually Sukkot even has an eight days because you have the last day too. So Shavuot has the same uh, advantage. Amar Rabbi Elazar, Rabbi Elazar said, Rabbi Chanina. Rebbe Natanatiab Purim. Rebbe planted a, pl- a sapling of some sort on Purim. And and he went to the public bathhouse on Shivasar Betamuz. And he wanted to uproot Tishabav and cancel it. But nobody agreed with him. So they said, uh, meaning that, uh, that uh, he, they didn't agree about the Tishabav. They didn't, they didn't mind that he went to the bathhouse on, uh, on Shivasar Betamuz. And they apparently didn't mind so much. That he planted the planting on, on Purim. But they minded about the Tisha B'Av. Rabbi Abar Zavda said, Rabbi You guys are getting, getting a little confused. That wasn't the situation over there that he wanted to cancel Tisha B'Av. It was, it, Tisha B'Av was on Shabbat that year. And therefore, And they were going to push it to Sunday. According to Rabbi, once you push it off, let it be pushed off. And the Chachamim did not agree. In other words, that was what Rabbi was saying. He wasn't saying that they should cancel Tisha B'Av altogether, but he was saying that they should cancel Tisha B'Av that falls on Shabbat. Instead of observing it on Sunday, just forget about it. And they didn't agree. They said about Rabbi Abba Bar Zavda, who corrected the record here, better to have two than only one, meaning that he was able to correct the... Uh, uh, what Rabbi Eliezer was uh, claiming, what Rabbi Elazar rather was claiming about uh, Rabbi, he was able to uh, correct him. He said, Rabbi loka chayamase. So it's his teacher, but he was able to teach, he was able to correct him, uh, and, uh, and therefore, um, uh, he, he, it was better to have two people to make sure that the truth was uh, clarified in that case. So therefore, it wasn't that Rebbe wanted to cancel Tisha B'Av, but it was that he wanted to cancel Tisha B'Av when it fell on Shabbat. How could Rebbe plant a sapling on Purim? It says about Purim, it's Simcha Mishtev Yom Tov. Simcha is joy. Mishte is a festive meal, and Yom Tov is holiday. Simcha milamei chasurim bespid. When it says simcha, it means that you're not allowed to have eulogies because it's not joyous. Mishte milamei chasurim betanit, and it calls it a mishte, a day of feasting. So it obviously you can't fast on Purim and Yom Tov. Why is it called Yom Tov? Milamei chasurim basiat melacha. That's the teacher that you're not allowed to do melacha on Purim, right? So how could Rabbi plant a sapling on Purim if you're not allowed to do melacha? Ela Rabbi bara besarava. Rabbi was from a place where they read them again on the fourteenth. Vechinata b'chamisar nata. And when did they see him planting on the fifteenth of Adar? That was okay. Any is that true? But Rabbi lived in Tiberia. And 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 uh, and we know that Tiberia was walled in the times of Yoshua bin Nun. So obviously uh, he was not somebody from the who reads on the fourteenth. It was somebody who reads on the fifteenth. So we'll just say a very simple answer and reverse that and say that no, Rabbi was the person who reads on the fifteenth. When they saw him planting, it was on the fourteenth. 
But Chizkiah was in doubt whether Teveria was really walled in the times of Yoshua ben or not, and whether it reads on the 14th or 15th, so he read on both. He wanted to know, So it turns out that, okay, Chizkiah had that doubt, but Rebbe didn't have that doubt, and since Rebbe was certain when to read in Teveria, the other day, whatever the other day was, since he said that you're supposed to read on the 15th, so then the 14th he was planting, but even if we know for sure which day we're supposed to be reading the Megillah, does that allow us to do work on the other day? It says in Megillah Tanit, in Megillah Tanit, which was a scroll that contained all different happy occasions and special occasions that the rabbis set up with different re- requirements where you weren't allowed to fast, you were supposed to fast, you weren't allowed to fast, so on. It says that Yom Arba Sarvet Yom Chamisha Sar Yom Puriya Inun. It says the 14th and the 15th of Adar are the days of Purim, the Lala Mispadbon, that you're not allowed to eulogize. And the question is, why does Megillah Tanit have to tell us that? We have, it's a pasuk in, in the Megillah. The chidush is that you might have thought from reading the Megillah that when do you have to celebrate Purim, abstain from fasting, abstain from eulogizing, and so on. That's only on your day of Purim. But on the other day of Purim, meaning if you live in a place where they read on the 14th, you don't have to care about the 15th. And if you leave a place, live in a place where they read on the 15th, you don't have to care about the 14th. Right? So, so what does it come to tell you? It comes to tell you, in other words, Megillah Tanit, by mentioning the two days next to each other, is coming to tell you that even a person who lives in a place where they read on the 14th isn't allowed to do eulogies on the 15th or to fast. And even somebody who lives in a place where they read on the 15th isn't allowed to do eulogies or fast on the 14th. They have to respect the respective dates. Okay? That's only regarding Hesped Vitanit. In other words, you're not allowed to eulogize or to fast on the 14th or 15th of Adar. It doesn't matter whether you read on the 14th or the 15th. You're not allowed to fast or eulogize on either of them. But when it comes to Melacha, you only have to abstain from Melacha on your day, not on the other day. And that's why Rabbi was allowed to plant something on Purim because it wasn't his Purim. But isn't it true that Rav saw somebody who was planting flax on Purim and he cursed him and his flax never grew? But that's the answer is that person, it was on their day of Purim. They were a person who read on the, who was in a city where they read on the 14th and it was the 14th. Or they were a person who lived in a city where they read on the 15th and they, it was the 15th. So that, it's not comparable to our case where we're saying that it was obviously whatever day Rabbi planted wasn't the day of Purim for him. You know what? You don't have to go so far. It could be that actually the day that um, the day that Rabbi planted this uh, plant was actually Bar uh, It's supposed to say according to the uh, correction on the side. Maybe it was the day of Purim even for Rabbi when he planted that planting. But Hesped even though the Jewish people accepted the restriction not to fast and not to eulogize on the days of Purim, they never accepted a requirement of not working. The Mi'ikarakiti, because it says in the beginning of the Megillah, in the first part of the, of the mentioning of the mitzvot of, the, of Purim in the Megillah, Simcha Mishtev Yom Tov, days of happiness and rejoicing in Yom Tov. And then at the end it says to make them days of uh, festive drinking and celebration. Right, vilu yom tov lo ketiv. But in the second time, it doesn't mention anything about yom tov, meaning that originally it was instituted as a, a days where you weren't allowed to 
fast and you weren't allowed to eulogize and you had to observe a, uh, some kind of isur melacha, prohibition of melacha because it was like a Yom Tov. But the second time when the Megillah mentions it, it, shows, it doesn't mention the idea of Yom Tov because the Jewish people did not accept it as a strict Yom Tov. Right? So if that's true, then why did Rav curse the guy who was planting on, on Purim? The answer is that that person was pl- It's a matter of minhag. So if the minhag in the community is not to work on Purim like it was for that guy, so he went and he, he planted flax anyway, so he got cursed. But in Rabbi's town, the minhag was to work on Purim, and therefore nobody complained when Rabbi planted on Purim. Alternatively, it could be that even in Rabbi's town, they had a minhag not to, they had a custom not to do melacha on Purim. But Rabbi's planting was a planting of joy. As we learned in the Mishnah, because when we talk about Tisha B'Av, or when we see, uh, sorry, when we talk about uh, the fasts that pass with no, and no rain comes, and the situation becomes really desperate, it says we diminish our Masao Matan, we diminish our business, and Binyan Unetia, and we diminish our construction and our planting, Beirusin Uvinisuin, and also with weddings and uh, other such celebrations, Vetana Alam, we learned about that, Binyan, Binyan Shil Simcha, what kind of building do we, do we dial down? The binyan shil simcha, joyous building, nitya, nitya shil simcha. And the planting that we diminish is planting of joy. Ezo binyan shil simcha. What does it mean a binyan shil simcha, building of joy? This is like a person who's building the groom's house for his son. In other words, the place, and that was usually a place where the, uh, where the, the wedding would take place and the celebration would take place in this special home structure that was built for the chatan, for the bride and the groom. Okay, what's a planting of simcha? A person who plants like a uh, special kind of a garden or a special kind of a uh, uh, of a beautiful um, uh, kind of a pardes, kind of a grove or a kind of a uh, um, artistic gardens that the kings have. In other words, something purely for pleasure, purely for aesthetic pleasure, that's called netiyah shel simcha. So it could be that here also, just like what's prohibited after the fast are things of simcha, building which is for a joyous purpose, planting which is for a joyous, um, luxurious purpose, not just for producing food. So, so too, when you're not allowed to build or you're not allowed to plant on Purim, that minhag is only not to build or plant things which are hard work and that are not considered to be shel simcha. But if it's shel simcha, it's a joyous building, it's a joyous planting, then it would be okay. And maybe he was planting something which was for luxuries purpose, luxurious purposes and not for necessity. And therefore, it's not called malacha in the context of Purim because in the context of Purim, we're not talking about the technical rules of malacha, but we're talking about doing activity which is set, which makes a person stressed, which takes away from their joy on the day of Purim. And and planting something which is shel simcha would not do that. Guva, we go back to what we said before. We see that Chizkiyahu, uh, I'm sorry, Chizkiyah, uh, read in Tiberia on the 14th and the 15th of Adar. We don't know, we didn't know if it was considered walled from the days of Yoshua Ben Nun or not. Ilo. Right? How was it really a doubt the status of Tiberia Vakitiv? We say, it says in the Pasuk, when it lists the fortified cities, okay, when the, when the Tanakh, the Psukim and Yehoshua list the fortified cities, it says, 
וחמת ורקת וחינרת. Okay, these are the, these are the walled cities. וקיימלן, and we learned that רקת זו טבריה. When it says רקת in the Pasuk, it means טבריה. So it's, it's listed with walled cities. So what's the question? That was the times of Yoshua being known, literally. This is the reason why it was a question uh, for Chizkiah. Because he said, Because one side is the ocean. One border of the city is the ocean. Okay, so, yeah, so then the question is, Well, if that's the issue, if it's because one side of Tiberia is bordered by water, that's definitely not considered a walled city. It says that when it's talking about which is a different set of halachot, basically, it's a set of halachot not related to Purim, but related to houses that are bought and sold in walled cities, that, they, that the seller has one year only to redeem the house. Once he doesn't redeem it, it goes to the buyer permanently and it never comes back to the seller. Not like other things like fields that you sell and they come back to you on the yovel and so on. Um, you, have two year, you have time to redeem them, your field, and then uh, if the time passes... Uh, you, you have a minimum time, you have to let the person use the field and then you can redeem it. And then in the Yovel, you get it back. When it comes to houses in walled cities, you have one year to redeem it. The clock starts ticking right away. There's no minimum amount of time you have to let the buyer use the house. The clock starts ticking right away. You can redeem it back. And if you don't, it becomes the, the uh, possession of the buyer permanently. Never, you're never going to see it again. So, in, so we have to know what's a walled city because that rule applies only to the houses in walled cities. Right? And we said, Velo shor igar. That it's, uh, the, the Pasuk says it has to have a, a wall and not, an, uh, and it says Saviv. It has to have a wall around it. That excludes Teveria because the ocean is its wall on one side. So that, what does it mean, Shuragar? Shuragar means that, it, that you would have a certain cities that the way they created a wall was that they had the houses in a circle facing inward towards each other. And the back wall of, of the houses, the back walls of the houses created a wall. They created basically an enclosure around the entire city um, because they were because the houses were laid out in a circle adjacent to one another. So they created the wall. That doesn't count as a walled city. It has to be a walled city where the wall is separate from the houses, where the houses are within the wall, not where the uh, wall is created by the roofs or the uh, outer walls of the houses themselves. And it also says in the Brighton that Tiberia is not considered a walled city because the ocean is its wall. Okay, so and that doesn't count as a wall. So the Gemara answers that when it comes to the halachot of of walled city, houses in walled cities, and what kind of redemption they are subject to, and what, whether they are subject to the Ovel and so on, that issue, he didn't have a doubt. He knows that Tiberia is not included, but the question is, what was the reasoning by Mikra Megillah? Because it's not exactly the same thing as Bater that's a totally different set of halachot, the idea of the houses in walled cities, that they have a, a, a different redemption structure. Right? That's a totally different thing. So the question is, what, was the, what did the authors of the Megillah and the Chachamim have in mind when they talked about unwalled and walled cities in the context of Purim? Right? So, is it because being exposed versus not being exposed? And you'll say, well, Tiberia is also exposed on the side that faces the ocean. There's no enclosure, so it's exposed. Or maybe the reason is because of protection, not because of exposure. So, the answer is basically. 
that according to uh, according to Chizkiyah, the question was when the when the Chachamim, the early Chachamim, differentiated between unwalled and walled cities with regard to Megillah. What was their what was their criterion? Was the criterion whether it is uh, exposed or not exposed? Therefore, you need a physical wall. Or was the criterion protected versus not protected? And even if one of your sides is the ocean. That doesn't make you an exposed city because somebody would have to come from the ocean to be able to attack you. So it's still considered protected. So if we're looking at it from the perspective of protection, Tiberia would be considered protected, just like a walled city. If we're looking at it from the perspective of um, being exposed versus not exposed on any side, so then Tiberia would not be considered a walled city because the side that faces the ocean is, is open to the ocean. It's not fully enclosed. And that would mean that it would be reading on the 14th instead of the 15th. And therefore, Chizkiah read on both the 14th and the 15th with, uh, you know, to, to be sure. And as the Rambam explains, when they would do that, they would say the Bacha only on the 14th. And then they would read it again. Any city that, uh, that reads two days out of a doubt, on the first day, they read with the Bacha because that, uh, the Rambam explains because that's the day when most Jewish people in the world read uh, so therefore we do the Bacha, and on the second day they would do it without a Bacha. That's how the Rambam codifies the Halacha.